All right, let's move into uh, this week. Uh, for those of you who are new here, my name's Joel, and I'm one of the pastors here at ECC, and I'm really glad that you're here. We're going to be starting a new series for the next three weeks that's entitled Movement. So this three-week series of Movement is a series of messages on the church. It's similar to others that we've done in this gathering. Oftentimes, uh, through the year, we've done something like this in September, where we focused on what is the church. And it is intended to bring understanding about and passion for God's purpose for his church in the world, and specifically, his purpose for Eaglemont. The church is people in steady movement toward God, toward the heart of God. It's a movement that flows out of relationship, as has already been spoken beautifully this morning. It's then movement toward one another and movement towards a lost world with God's redemptive message. Our church's mission statement is we are committed in simplicity to helping people know God, love people, and serve the world. The first of our three-part church mission statement is knowing God. Because nothing truly is of any meaning or any eternal value unless we know God in a personal and relational way just as he intended from the beginning. As individual Christ followers and as a group of believers, we must tenaciously be committed to the deepening of our relationship with God to be sure that we stay on course toward full surrender and complete trust in God. So with that, this morning, I want us to look at our Bibles to three invitations that are extended by Jesus himself. They were three invitations that Jesus gave to some of his disciples. But they are also three invitations that are extended to you and to me this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask, first of all, that you're going to open to the book of Matthew. Now, if you're unfamiliar with where your Bible is, go about two-thirds through the front, from the front, about two-thirds back, and I'll roughly get you to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. And I encourage you, if you didn't bring your Bibles this morning, make sure that the next couple of weeks you bring them. And especially then after that, as we go through our seven weeks through the Bible, you're going to want your Bible with you. It's a great tool. All right? So let's just start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word this morning. I pray that my voice would become smaller so that your voice can become greater. For each of us who are here, many of us on completely different levels of our faith journey. I pray for each of us that we would be challenged this morning. I pray that what we would encounter was not simply the words of some guy, but I pray that it would be your word this morning that would somehow just completely grasp our hearts. Help us to actually hear you today, what you would say, and give us open hearts to be able to receive whatever that truth is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. 
In this passage in Matthew chapter 4, we see the first invitation of Jesus. That invitation that he extended out was two words, follow me. What Jesus was asking them was for them to come and personally walk with him. To spend time with him. It is the first invitation that Jesus also extends to you and to me. Jesus, the Bible tells us, was God's son. He was, now, those of you who are mathematicians, this one's not going to really sit with you, but he was, as the Bible says, 100% fully God. But he was also 100% fully man. He was God's son, but in human flesh. And so here we see Jesus, God's son, and he invites these disciples, these men who would eventually spend their life for him, to follow him. Now, as I get into this invitation, it's important to note, we can only move towards God because he first made a way accessible to us. He first invited us. He sought us out. The difference between those who follow God and those who do not follow God is not the difference of one who's been invited and one who is not. But it's rather those who receive the invitation and respond and those who do not. The Bible tells us that when it comes to getting to know God, it is through Jesus. Jesus said to these men, come follow me. In John 14, 6, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God the Father but through me. Jesus asked Simon, Peter, and Andrew to follow him. He invited them to spend time with him. So Peter and his brother Andrew proceeded to follow Jesus for three years, traveling where he traveled, eating where he ate, and sleeping where he slept. Over the next three years, key to this invitation is we see Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John learn more about who Jesus is. See, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to come and get to know him. And that invitation to you is the same as these disciples. And with that, you can get the same thing they did. As they spent time and said yes to that invitation, they came to know more about his character. You can imagine as you spend time every day with someone, you come to know their character. Even for those of you who have been coming here at Eaglemont for a long time, there are probably people, a lot of people in this building, that you maybe recognize them, you might even know their name or at least recognize their face, but you haven't spent enough time to actually say you know their character. You can make assumptions, but you don't know their character. Versus someone that you live with, with your spouse, with your children, with people that you spend constant day after day time with, you come to know their character. We see that these men get to know Jesus so well that Peter, at the Last Supper, we see even confess that he is willing to die for Jesus. 
Because he came to know the heart of Jesus so much, and he felt so much in love with who he was, with his character, he was willing to die himself. So as we follow Jesus, we come to know his character. The second thing we learn is we come to know of his moral goodness. Peter and the other disciples see Jesus regularly stump the religious elite who try to trap him. For those of you, the Bible's new to you. When Jesus was on the earth, he would go around and he kind of shook things up. The religious leader of the day did not like Jesus. Because they liked to set up their own religious institutions that gave them a lot of power. And he challenged that and challenged them. And said that their positions did not in any way make them closer to God. Jesus didn't do things the same way. He wasn't about his own power or gaining money or swindling people or gaining attention. His disciples learn and, and Peter and the others learn about Jesus' heart of mercy. So we see him offering forgiveness and compassion. His care for the poor and the downtrodden. We see this exemplified in the, in the encounter he had with a woman named Mary. Who while the religious elite pushed her down because she was not a person who, in their mind, lived an acceptable lifestyle, but she anointed his feet with this expensive perfume that would have cost a year's worth of wages. Jesus welcomed her, forgave her. We see this with a woman who was caught in adultery, and again, where the religious elite tried to trap Jesus by embarrassing this woman and pulling her out in public, laying out all her fault, her sins, publicly disgracing her. Jesus responding with grace. See this also with the Samaritan woman who Jesus encounters at the well. Jesus, as you get to know him, is morally good. He is kind. He is selfless. And as you spend time and you choose to follow him, you recognize his selflessness. You recognize that the way you and me think where we oftentimes have our own selfish motives is not the way that Jesus operates. In fact, he's willing to suffer, even to the point of his own death. The third thing that these disciples come to know is they come to know about Jesus' power. They witnessed the blind being given sight, the cripple being able to stand and run, lepers instantly being healed, food being multiplied to feed thousands, seas being calmed at the word of his voice, those possessed by demons being freed to live a life free from torture. Talk a little more, more about this. But they came to follow, as they followed him, they came to know Jesus' power. Fourthly, they came to know his love. John 15, verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says this to them and to us, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Oftentimes, religious teachers of the day, they were more masters. They would have people who would follow and grovel at them, and it was all about power. Jesus didn't operate that way. 
Instead, he says, and this was completely radical, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So this is my command, love each other. Jesus ultimately displayed this, this greatest love, when he chose to die on a cross for the sins of others, for the sins of those men that he invited to save by saying, follow me. And for the sin of you and I, who again asks the same question, follow me. As the Bible describes it, he paid the penalty of sin for all of us. This first invitation to know God, to follow him, is an invitation of observing, watching, and seeing. Because as a kid, you ever played the game Follow the Leader? It's essentially an invitation to follow the leader. It's to walk where he walks, to observe and see what he does, to move where he moves. They got to sleep where he slept. It's an invitation for us to actually follow him. But with that, this invitation came with a caveat. To follow him also meant we had to give something up. For these men, these fishermen... He said, drop your nets, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus, in order for them to follow him, they had to give up a lifestyle. They had to give up an occupation. They had to leave the old life behind. These men were not going to get to know Jesus by staring where they were. They were not going to be able to just get regular letter updates on Papyrus, where they could find out the latest happenings of Jesus. That's not how they were going to get to know him. They actually had to follow. And that meant they had to give up their old way of life. They had to actually say yes to Jesus. They would go where he went, sleep where he slept, and eat where he ate. This first invitation to know God, to observe, to watch and see, is one that is also extended to you and to me. It's an invitation to follow so how, how does that work for us? Perhaps today it's an invitation for you to come to church, to attend a youth group, to be a part of a small group, to be somewhere where you regularly get to hear words of truth, God's truth, which is found in the Bible. And coming to know discover and believe that it's true. Because the only way you get to know that it's true is the same way that you get to know that Jesus is true. You spend time. Some of you in your life may be right at that point of this first invitation today. Perhaps you don't yet really know Jesus. Today, he wants to ask you to follow him. To come to get to know him through his word, through his church. Now this particular church is not the totality of this church, but it's a part of it. Sometimes we can, we can think it's a, a, an all or nothing, but the reality is, is, I want to point out this morning, is some of us are at different points of invitation from God. 
And some of you are at this point of invitation. When you meet someone, people don't oftentimes, I'm sure there's some people who've done this, but people oftentimes don't meet each other and get married at the same moment. Can you imagine going on a blind date and at the end of that hour and a half date, you guys do your vows and it's all done? It would save a lot of money. But you're not at that point. There's a part of getting to know. There's a part of coming to an understanding and going, yeah, I, I do care about this person. I, I want to be with this person. I feel like they are who they say they are. God wants you to actually get to know him. His character and his goodness. Church, for those of you who you struggle with God, you struggle even with that whole concept of the word trust. Trust can't be blind, really. Trust comes as you get to know and build trust. If you don't know the character and the heart of God, you're not going to be able to trust God with the following invitations that are to come. He wants you to actually know him personally, to get to know his heart. If you struggle feeling like you're not sure if God's just waiting up in heaven to slam you with a hammer for every mistake you've made, I'm going to challenge you that you have yet to get to know his heart and his character, his goodness. But he wants you to. He wants to get you to get to know him because he actually already knows you. He's waiting for you to come to get to know him. And so this morning, I, I want to invite and challenge you, would you say yes to that invitation today? To follow him. Second invitation we see, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Second invitation we see to Peter and some of the other disciples is in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Now this second invitation comes with an even greater cost. Knowing comes with investment in a relationship. Just think about it in your own life. The greater the relationship you have, probably the more that you've invested. The more time, the more energy, all that stuff. Whether it's a person or a thing, the more you know about them, it's indicative of the more you have invested into them personally. Last night, my son came with me to, my very, to his very first football game. It's the reason why some of you are not making eye contact with me this morning. Because you already know the score. But he wore his little Stampeders jersey in the sea of green jerseys at Commonwealth Stadium. And we've, he's talked about football. But do you know what? Just being there with dad, he's really interested in football now. Something about experiencing it with his dad. Something about going and, and following me there. If The more that you know about something, the more you've invested into it. It goes hand in hand. My wife knows me well because she's invested time with me. It's the reason why every year for my birthday she knows I don't really care about gifts, but she knows that I get giddy when there's a homemade apple pie in my house. So every year for my birthday I, there's a homemade apple pie on our counter. It's the reason why she watches Flames games even though she hates hockey. And she finds it awkward that I cheer for Calgary and live in Edmonton. She reads me well. She reads me much better than most other people. It's because 
She knows me well. I know her as well. I see a movie that usually is out from Hallmark and has a really happy ending. I know my wife will love it. Each of these calls from Jesus to know God come with a greater investment. But they also come with a greater return. Here in Matthew 14, just preceding this event, Jesus had fed 5,000 people with a couple of sardines and some bread. In the time that Peter had been with Jesus, he had come to trust God's character. Now he would be personally challenged to trust and rely on God's power. So we see the invitation to come. First to follow, then come to me. Matthew 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, this crowd that had about 5,000. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. So Jesus on the hill, disciples in a boat in the middle of the water. And it was buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Now, just to clarify, this is not a lake in northern Saskatchewan in December. This was actual water, not walking on ice, okay? Jesus walking on the lake. When his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This time, Jesus not only invites Peter to hear his teaching, he is asked to step out in faith. We have a little video that we had queued up in the back. Could we have that go? Thanks, guys. Jean-Francois Gravelet, better known as Blondine, was a famous tightrope walker and acrobat. He's perhaps best known for his many crossings of the tightrope, 1,100 feet in length, suspended 160 feet above Niagara Falls in the USA. His act will be watched by large crowds and begin with a relatively simple crossing using a balancing pole. Then he would throw away the pole and amaze the onlookers. On one occasion, he crossed the tightrope on stilts. On another occasion, blindfolded. Another time, he stopped halfway to cook and eat an omelette. In 1860, a royal party from England came to watch Blondin perform. After his normal spectacular crossings, he then wheeled a wheelbarrow from one side to the other as the crowd cheered. Next, he put a sack of potatoes into the wheelbarrow and wheeled that across. The crowd cheered louder. Then he approached the royal party and asked the Duke of Newcastle, Do you believe that I could take a man across the tightrope in this wheelbarrow? Yes, I do, said the Duke. Ah, hop in, replied Blondin. The crowd fell silent. 
but the Duke of Newcastle would not accept Blondin's challenge. Is there anyone else here who believes I could do it? asked Blondin. No one was willing to volunteer. Eventually, an old woman stepped out of the crowd and climbed into the wheelbarrow. Blondin wheeled her all the way across and all the way back. The old woman was Blondin's mother, the only person willing to put her life in his hands. This video, while the crowd of onlookers believed in Blondin's ability, they followed him and believed in him to be able to cross safely. They weren't willing to put their own life on the line. Only his mother, because she knew him better than all of them, she was willing to put her life in his hands. Full surrender isn't difficult when we truly know and trust the character, power, wisdom, and grace of God. When we know him, we know that surrendering fully to him is the very best way to live. As we come to know God, follow God, and come to know the heart and character of Jesus, we eventually reach the point, like Peter, where God asks us to step out and come to him, to test and experience his power in our lives. See, we know God through experiencing God, when we actually step out and trust him. It was following this, this event that we see Peter's personal recognition of Jesus. Truly, you are the Son of God. There's an answer repeated later in Matthew 16. Following this exchange, Jesus affirming that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of God's people, he tells the disciples not to tell anyone. Why? Because Jesus is to become known personally, through personal knowledge and personal experience. You need to know God, and to really fully know God, you need to take a step of faith yourself to step out of the boat. So I ask you this morning, have you experienced God personally? What was that like? Have you experienced God's power, his power to heal and perform miracles? As a church, we believe in the miraculous supernatural power of God. It's why we pray for each other. Now, it's not a power that we own, it's a power that God has. And he chooses to use different members of his church oftentimes to release. But we believe in that. John 14, 12 to 14, Jesus said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you have not yet come to this, at some point in your life, if you follow Jesus, there will come a point where you need to choose. Choose whether you really do trust God and are willing to move beyond the observer role in your life to actually step out in the knowledge you have of him. To trust him with your relationships, your finances, your work, your decisions in your life. To learn to discern the voice of God and to follow. Now, stepping out isn't a bad thing. Stepping out of a boat in the water seems naturally crazy, Stepping out and following God sounds crazy, but it's an amazing thing. The result isn't actually a more stressed out life, it's actually a less stressed life. It's actually a release. 
In this story, we see that Peter began to sink, but he only sank because he started focusing on the wind and the waves instead of on Jesus' invitation to come. It's an invitation he also spoke later when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, many of you, God is inviting. Come to me. You followed me. Now come to me. Trust me. Step out in your life. Experience me. Don't do just what seems right to you. But take that radical next step of hearing me and trusting me. Not just because it makes sense to you, because I just said come. Final invitation this morning is in John chapter 21. If you want to flip a little further in the New Testament to the book of John chapter 21. This event happens after Jesus has died and has been resurrected. We see Jesus give one more invitation as the disciples are out fishing and someone yells from shore to throw their net to the one side of the boat and suddenly they catch a great amount of fish. Now if you're familiar with, with Jesus and his disciples, you would know that earlier on, Jesus had told the disciples to do this before and they, had, they couldn't catch anything all night and they said, well, throw it on this side of the boat and they caught a great amount of fish. Once again, Peter and the other disciples, Peter in particular, he come to know the character of Jesus and the voice of Jesus. And so when he heard and he saw the fish that came in, right away he knew who it was. Peter had already learned to know God's teaching and his truth. And through his time, he learned to trust his character and his power. And immediately, they recognize it's Jesus. John speaks it out and Peter, without hesitation, jumps in the water in John 21 and heads towards the shore. When you come to know Jesus, when you've taken the time and seen his true heart for you, you begin to recognize his voice. We see Jesus' final invitation, which is to love. Peter here has no hesitation. And here God challenges our hearts with one more invitation of stepping out. In verses 15 to 19, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? When Jesus was crucified three times, Peter, who he said would never leave him, he would die for Jesus, denied Jesus three times. It was to his shame and detriment. And here we see Jesus ask three times, do you love me? It wasn't to rub salt in the wound, but I believe it was rather to have Peter fully healed and restored. To again bring him back to that point, do you love me? Three times. And Jesus' response to each time, do you love me? Yes, Peter would say. Jesus said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. We know God by obeying him and living our lives in, in, in partnership with his vision and his purpose. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, keep my commands. As we come to follow God, and then come to him and, and live out in his power and his, in his fullness of his calling. We are then again engaged and invited into his mission. Which is to share the gospel, God's living word. To feed his sheep, to care for his people. God is found in the midst of his people. To know God is to know love. 1 John 4, 7, 8 tells us God is love. To love God is to obey his word. From here we see the invitation again, then follow me. 
Follow me. Come observe and come to know my character. Come to me. Step out and experience and trust my power, my voice, to give direction to your life. And then love me by reaching out and loving the world around you. That's how we come to know God. And as a church, again, number one in our mission statement is knowing God. And we want to see you step out in that invitation. So I'm going to ask the worship band if they'll come up to the front. I'm going to warn you, I'm going to ask for a response this morning. Not a response to me, but a response to this invitation from Jesus. For where you are at and perhaps where he is asking you to step out. I'm going to ask you just to stand. And I want to ask because I believe that there are some of you in each one of these invitations this morning where that's where you're at in your walk. Some of you today... This whole Christianity thing might be completely new to you, this church experience thing, but there's something about Jesus. There's something even about the people that are here that intrigues you, and you are wanting to come to know him more. You want to come follow him. It's an invitation he's extended to you. I want to give you an opportunity to step out to say yes to that invitation. Some of you today, your invitation is God saying, I want you to step out. Because you found a lot of comfort in the following and the observing, but being a follower of Christ is not simply about observing. Church, if you believe that that's all it is, it's just filling a seat on a Sunday morning, you don't even have half the picture. That's not what Jesus wants for you. It's not the fullness of what he's invited you to. He's saying, come, step out of the vote. Trust me because I want to flow my power through you. I want you to experience me. I want you to hear my voice. And I want you to step out in your life trusting me because I want to take care of it. And I want to do the things you would never be able to do on your own. I want you to come to him. And finally, there are those of you that you've done those. You've stepped out on that. You've stepped out in God's power. But again, he's wanting to remind you of that invitation to love to be reminded that you are called to love. Knowing God is also found in loving his people. It's why we have the church. It's why we do small groups. There's so much that you learn about being with each other, even as Lyle shared today, when you spend life with other Christ followers, when you pour your life into others. So this is what I'm going to do. We're not going to draw this out, but I'm going to ask for those of you who this morning, that invitation to follow is an invitation where you're at. You're at the point where God's inviting you to get to know him. You don't know his heart, his character yet. I want you to step out and you're going to come up here in in about 20 seconds when I invite everybody to move. If you're at the point where God's calling you to step out and to trust him in your life, to get beyond the observer role, I want you to come and stand somewhere in the middle up front here. And if he's calling you to again that mission, to be re-engaged in the mission of getting to know him through loving others. You've gone through this. and He's challenging you now to spread out. I want you to stand over here. This isn't for anybody else to see, but it's a matter of just responding to him. So we're going to give about 30 seconds, so it's not much time. If you don't want to move, you don't have to move. No one's going to force you out. But if you want to respond to the invitation this morning to follow to come or to love. I want you just to step out now and then we're going to pray in about 30 seconds. All right? Come now.
10 more seconds. If you're scared, you don't need to be. Just come. Right, ECCers. Let's pray. Sometimes in church, we put our hands out. This is not a matter of there's somehow a superpower in our hands. What this is, is this is actually a posture saying, okay, God, if you've got something for me, I want to receive it. So I want to pray for each one of you today. Jesus, I pray for those of us today where you are calling us to follow. God, I pray that you could bring your word to life. For those of us perhaps who have just never even invited you in, it starts with this. This is you this morning. You say these words yourself in your own heart. Jesus, I want to know you. I don't have everything all together, and I've made lots of mistakes, but I want to learn how to hear you and have you in my life. So forgive me for things I've done wrong. Come live in me. Help me to know you. To learn how to follow you. In Jesus' name. The Bible tells us that he comes when we invite. For those of us this morning, God, who you are inviting us to come, to step out. God, can you take us beyond the fear? Can you take us beyond the routine? Because for some of us, we become so dormant. We become so deactivated in our observing that the idea of stepping out seems so foreign. It's scary or it's even just beyond our capacity to understand. Can you remind us today that you are actually a God of power? Remind us of who you are. Lord, for those of us who fear fearful, remind us of your character. Remind us of the times that you've shown up before, the truth that we see in your word that you are good despite what the world or others may say, that you are good and you have been good and that we can trust you. Can you begin to put pictures on our minds of what you are calling us to step out in? Put those people that you put in our, in our paths that, God, we're called to step out and to speak to you, to share your word. God, the things in our lives that have captured our hearts and taken place of you, where it's been money that's been more important to you because we don't trust you with it, where it's been our marriages or relationships or kids that are more important with you because we don't trust you with those. Can you help us today to step out and to come to you? Empower, and I pray that there would be a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, for those of us who are being called and reminded again of our mission and our invitation to love, Lord, to love you, to get to know you, and to do that by loving others, by being a part of what you've called us to. As we reach out, God, can you take away the selfishness that often creeps back in? Teach us what it is to be more Jesus inside of us. Take that over again, that we would know more of that and more of you, and as we reach out, that we would come to know more the heart of God. As we pray with others, as we give of ourselves, that we come to know you more, Jesus. God, as we don't just live in our ivory towers, but we get down into the muck and the mire and we get into the dirtiness of the lives of others, that we come more to know of your goodness, of your compassion, of your care, of who you are all over again. Can you teach us more in the pursuit of who, 
who you are and how to know you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.